engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Good evening. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here on News 95.5 AM 750 WSB in Atlanta's Evening News. Uh, let's go to the mats for over William Barr. My goodness. Uh, we'll take your calls on this as well. 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. Oh, we, we've got this uh, situation of the Attorney General going to the Senate today to deliver testimony coming on the heels of a leak of a uh, Bob Mueller letter to the Attorney General saying that he that the Attorney General mischaracterized or miscast or did not fully cast uh, the terms of the Mueller investigation. Uh, and I want to start there because it sets the stage of everything else. This has been all the buzz today. It sounds very, very much like a media setup of the attorney general to have the Bob Mueller letter leak right before he goes up to Capitol Hill. He was asked about a summary of it. And I, I think it's very interesting because we now have the copy of the Mueller letter. And what you can see from the Mueller letter is, in fact, uh, Bob or William Barr, and I, you know, I, I'm from Georgia. We have a, had a famous congressman named Bob Barr. You'll have to excuse me uh, if I keep saying Bob Barr instead of William Barr. Uh, I'm not the only one. I've noticed several people on TV, longtime political uh, commentators. Maybe this is a signifier that I've gotten old. Uh, <laughs> but I was I was in at Fox just a couple of months ago, and Bob Barr walked in. So so in any event, William Barr, the Attorney General, not Bob Barr, the Congressman. William Barr was asked about uh, the Mueller letter in the Senate. On Thursday morning, I, rece- I received it. Probably was received at the department Wednesday night or evening. But on Thursday morning, I received a letter from Bob, the letter that's just been put into the record. And I called Bob and said, you know, what's the issue here? Are you su- and I asked him if he was suggesting that the March 24th letter was inaccurate. And he said no, but that the press reporting had been inaccurate and that the press was reading too much into it. And I asked him, you know, specifically what his concern was. And he said that his concern focused on his explanation of why he did not reach a conclusion on obstruction. And he wanted more put out on that issue. Uh, He wanted, uh, he argued for putting out summaries uh, of each volume, the executive summaries uh, that had been written by his office, uh, and if not that, then other material that focused on the issue of why he didn't reach the obstruction question. But he was very clear with me that he was not suggesting that uh, we had misrepresented his report. So the report was not misrepresented. The media coverage of the report was misrepresented, and and that, I think, is... Well, you know, let let me just say it's very hard to say that the attorney general misrepresented the letter when the attorney general quoted from the report, quoted the conclusions of the report. But there was more to it than that. Let's just go back to the attorney general. Let him make his case. I made the determination that we had to put out some information about the bottom line. 
The body politic was in a high state of agitation. There was massive interest in learning what the bottom line results of uh, Bob Mueller's investigation was, particularly as to collusion. Former government officials were confident, confidently predicting that the president and members of his family were going to be indicted. There were people suggesting that if it took any time to turn around the report and get it out, it would mean that the president uh, was in legal jeopardy. Uh, so I didn't feel that uh, it was in the public interest to allow this to go on for several weeks without saying anything. And so I decided to simply state what the bottom line conclusions were, which is what the department normally does, make a binary determination. Is there a crime or isn't there a crime? We, we prepared the letter for that purpose, to state the bottom line conclusions. We used the language from the report to state those bottom line conclusions. I analogize it to announcing after an extended trial what the verdict of the trial is, pending release of the full transcript. That's what we were trying to do, notify the people as to the bottom line conclusion. We were not trying to summarize the 410 page report. So we released that, I, I offered Bob Mueller the opportunity to review that letter before it went out and he declined. So Mueller did decline. Now, by the way, for, for I see a couple of people saying it sounds like you're editing this. We He took pauses. Uh, William Barr takes pauses and breathes, and we did cut those out. Otherwise, this clip, it was a minute, 23 seconds. It would have been well over two minutes, um, but we didn't actually cut out any of his words, just his pauses and uh, deep breaths. Uh, that's why it sounded a little clipped. Um, William Barr's point is that he wanted to fill everyone in on what happened. And you know he's right. This is very much a catch-22 for him. If he didn't release the report, as he said, people would say, oh, this must be bad for the president. They're getting him ready. Um, so he released the so he released the letter. And what you saw was a deflated media. My goodness, it looked like people at CNN had gone to a funeral the day that the William Barr letter went. I mean, there were people who were on the verge of tears on CNN that the president was not going to be indicted, that Donald Trump Jr. was not going to be indicted, that Ivanka Trump was not going to be indicted. People looked like they were on the verge of tears on CNN, the network that claims objectivity. And so he had to release it. He had to let people know what was going on. He had to do that. And had he not, the media would have attacked him. But he did it, and so now guess what? The media is attacking him. But I think you can read the Mueller letter for yourself. Mueller had two objections in his letter. One was that he thought that the way it was worded allowed the media to make claims uh, that were not so. Uh, In particular, he did not like the fact that uh, Republicans were automatically running out saying the president's innocent, the president's innocent. Um, that in particular, he he said that the president's not. And you know what? Bob Mueller actually, or William Barr quoted that part, that the president could not be exonerated. He couldn't be declared guilty, but he couldn't be exonerated. The other issue that Mueller had is that um, William Barr did not uh, detail everything that Bob Mueller did. And and. Well, Barr says he wasn't going to do that. He he wasn't going to go out there and and spend all the time telling you what a great job the prosecutor did when people weren't interested in what a great job the prosecutor did. Everybody already knew that. They were interested in whether or not the president was going to jail. Now, there's more on this, too, and it begins to undermine some of the other Democrat talking points, the Christopher Steele dossier and, and the like. But before I get to any of that, we need to have a conversation about the spying issue, 
because the media has made a great deal about uh, William Barr saying he wanted to investigate the spying. The reason he wants to investigate the spying uh, from the FBI on the Trump campaign, I think, is best indicated by Josh Howley. Josh Howley's freshman freshman senator from Missouri. Howley was the attorney general in Missouri. He beat Claire McCaskill, and he had this to say. I have to say, I, I've listened to this testimony all day today, and to me, maybe the most shocking thing I've heard is this. Chairman read it earlier, August 26th, 2016. This is a text message from Peter Strzok a top counterintelligence investigator who we now know helped launch this counter-spy investigation of the President of the United States. Peter Strzok says, just went to a Southern Virginia Walmart. I could smell the Trump support. Smell is capitalized. Just went to a Southern Virginia Walmart. I could smell the Trump support. My view, you want to know what's really going on here. You want to know why the counterintelligence investigation really happened. You want to know why we're all really sitting here today. That's why, right there is because an unelected bureaucrat, an unelected official in this government, who clearly has open disdain, if not outright hatred, for Trump voters, like the people of my state, for instance, I could smell the Trump support, then tried to overturn the results of a Democratic election. That's what's really gone on here. That's the story. That's why we're here today. I cannot believe that a top official of this government, with the kind of power that these people had, would try to, to exercise their own prejudices, and that's what this is. It's open, blatant prejudice. Would try to use that in order to overturn a democratic election. And to my mind, that's the real crisis here. And it is a crisis, because if there's not accountability, if this can go on in the United States of America, well then my goodness gracious, we don't have a democracy anymore. My goodness gracious. This is a Republican criticism. You may not think it is valid, but we now know, for example, that a number of the issues related to the Christopher Steele dossier that sparked all of this were possibly uh, Russian politically motivated uh, things to sow chaos in the American election and to also gin up investigations. Uh, that relates to the spine. Uh, I want to play you this. Sheldon Whitehouse, who he's, he's not the smartest member of the Senate, although smarter than Hirono from Hawaii. He and William Barr engaged in an uh, extended dialogue, if you want to call it that, on spying. In the entirety of your previous career in the Department of Justice, including as Attorney General, have you ever referred to authorized department investigative activities officially or publicly as spying? I'm not asking for private conversation. No, I'm not going to abjure the use of the word spying. I think... Uh, you know, my first job was in CIA, and I don't think the word spying has any pejorative connotation at all. To me, the question, to me, the question is always whether or not it's authorized and, and adequately predicated spying. Uh, I think spying is a good English word that, in fact, doesn't have synonyms because it is the broadest word uh, in incorporating really all forms of covert intelligence collection. So I'm not going to back off the word spying, except I will say when did I'm you not suggesting any pejorative. And I use it frequently when as to media. As when, to media. When did you decide to use it? Was it off the cuff in the hearing that day, or did you go into that hearing intending it, it to was, use the word it spying? It was actually off the cuff, to tell you the truth. And when 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 a senator, yeah, when she, when when 
when he challenged me and said, you want to change your language, I was actually thinking, like, what's the issue? I, I don't consider it a pejorative. And, You're rather, and frankly, you frankly, we went back and looked at press usage, and up until all the, the fall outrage a couple of weeks ago, it's commonly used in the press to refer to authorized activities, such as referring to the But it's not FISA commonly used by the department. Court. What? It is not commonly used by the department. My time it's is... commonly used by me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, I felt kind of bad for William Barr. The, the guy is light years smarter than even uh, most of the Republicans on the committee. And he's having to deal with these children, including the, the awful Maisie Hirono from Hawaii, who even the Democrats uh, don't think highly of. Uh, she's, just, she's, she's a bit of an odd duck. Uh, but there, we got a lot more of this, including what he said about the Christopher Steele dossier when we come back here on WSB. I love my butterfly pillow, my butterfly pillow. They actually, the company's called my butterfly pillow and they sent me the pillow to see if I would actually do an endorsement for them. And I tried it out. Wasn't something I sought out. It wasn't something I knew that existed. And now I'm glad that I do. Uh, I'm a side sleeper and you know, my schedule's so crazy. Now I'm having to take naps and trying to get in bed and get comfortable and whatnot. My pillow, my butterfly pillow makes it easy. It gives you support in all the places you need it most. Keeps your neck and spine in alignment throughout the night. It's patented sleep technology to elevate your head to where you need it, including a place to fit your arm and a pillow and a pillow for your ear. It's adjustable in height. They really put a lot of thought into this, and it's just a pillow, and they put that much thought into it. The thing that I really like about it is my butterfly pillow has a Bluetooth-adapted night owl speaker. You can listen to music, sounds, your smart TV through the speaker. It's a really good speaker, and you're just enveloped in the sound in this pillow. Listeners to my show can save $30 off the list price of $129. You use code ERIC at checkout. You'll get my butterfly pillow for just $99 plus free shipping in the continental U S go to MyButterflyPillow.com, enter code Eric at checkout and save $30 and get free shipping. That's MyButterflyPillow.com. The checkout code is Eric. You can listen. This is my napping pillow and you'll get a great nap. Use it at night. Get a great night's sleep with my butterfly pillow. We've got to continue with the Bob Mueller, the Bob Mueller. Yes, Bob Mueller. There, there's Bob Barr. There's Bob Mueller. There's William William Barr. I'm all confused. We got to continue with the William Barr testimony. But before we do, we've got to pivot to another story. It is happening right now as I speak. Um, there are major protests happening in Venezuela. Uh, you've got the idiots on MSNBC act, uh, actively speculating: Is the president of the United States actually working with the Russians on this? They have so. Uh, drunk the Kool-Aid on the president colluding with Russia, even though he didn't. Uh, and it is very clear from American foreign policy, we are helping the people who Russia does not like. The Russians have sent troops. The Russians are trying to undermine the Monroe Doctrine. The Cubans are helping them, and we are helping the opposition fighting the bad guys. And the situation is escalating. Right now, as I speak, the TV is on uh, the opposition leader there, who is now the declared president, the European powers, Canada, the United States are now recognizing this person as the president. Uh, he's urging the military to stand aside or to join the resistance. The head of the secret police has spoken out. Uh, there are now riots there. Uh, people have stormed an Air Force base in uh, Venezuela, and the military is standing down. What's happening, though, is that the Russians and the Cubans are bringing in uh, secret police and others who are trying to scare, pressure, and kill 
the opposition, the the president of um, the the internationally recognized president now of Venezuela, is leading protests, but also has to be secure because they're trying to assassinate him now. Maduro, the Venezuelan president, tried to flee the country yesterday. The Russians uh, urged him not to leave, so he is staying. He's under the protection of Russian troops. Um, but the American government is allowing the Venezuelans to take this guy out. And happening right now, there are major protests in Venezuela. More on William Barr when we come back. helps when you push the button to turn the microphone on. <laughs> it's one of those days. Welcome. All right. It is Eric Erickson here, as I was saying, and no one could hear me. On WSB, William Barr having testified on Capitol Hill today to the U.S. Senate. Um, it was It's very, very hilarious, I think, to watch MSNBC, Brian Williams, of all people, jumping in to fact check. Uh, William Barr with Nicole Wallace uh, calling him a liar at points, saying it wasn't true. And it was really it was their opinion in in many cases. Uh, William Barr, of course, uh, the attorney general was George H.W. Bush's attorney general. He knows the ropes. He knows how the game is played. And he knows how to be very, very careful and nuanced with what he's saying. And MSNBC did not like that he was being as nuanced as he was because they wanted him to say the president was guilty, which he would not do. There were a series of exchanges that William Barr had with various senators. I want to play some of those exchanges for you now. Uh, The first one is between Mike Lee, the senator from Utah, and William Barr. Uh, Time and time again, uh, the president's political adversaries have exploited the Mueller probe, its mere existence, uh, to spread baseless innuendo in an effort to undermine the legitimacy of the 2016 election and the effectiveness of this administration. For example, on January 25th, 2019, Speaker Nancy Pelosi asked, what does Putin have on the president politically, personally, or financially? Uh, Mr. Attorney General, is is there any evidence to suggest that Vladimir Putin, quote unquote, has something on President Trump? None that I'm aware of. On February 20th, 2019, former FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe said on national television to the entire nation that he thinks it's possible that Donald Trump is a Russian agent. Mr. Attorney General, is there any evidence that you're aware of that suggests even remotely that President Trump is a Russian agent? None that I'm aware of. Representative Eric Swalwell has repeatedly claimed that Donald Trump, quote, acts on Russia's behalf. Attorney General Barr, is there anything you're aware of? To back that up by way of evidence, the, the president acts on Russia's behalf. None that I'm aware of. Just totally undermining MSNBC's talking points about the president and Russia. None that he is aware of. By the way, Swalwell, that idiot from California, he, he's supposedly running for uh, president. He actually went on Twitter today and said, guess how many times the word woman is mentioned in the Constitution? We need equal representation past the ERA, the Equal Rights Amendment. Uh, anyone know how many times the word man is mentioned in the Constitution? Twelve. But it's always followed by the letters N-E-R. Uh, manner. Yeah, the, the actual word man doesn't appear in the Constitution either. 
Oh, what an idiot. Um, but, you know, it, they're continuing to beat back on the democratic narrative that's been going on for so long that somehow the president had been co-opted by Russia, and it turns out that's not the case. Now, um, we we played the spy part for you and, and how he uses the spy part. There was also this exchange with Chuck Grassley, the senator from Iowa. There have been a number of leaks coming out of the Justice Department FBI during high-profile investigations. The inspector general found that during the department's investigation of Hillary Clinton for mishandling highly classified information, there was a culture of unauthorized media contacts. During the Russian investigation, the leaks continued. Leaks undermined the ability of investigators to investigate. Further leaks to the papers while Congress's questions to the department go unanswered is unacceptable. Why? What are you doing to investigate unauthorized media contacts by the department and FBI officials during the Russian investigation? We have multiple criminal leak investigations underway. This is important, the language that he used. Uh, Grassley, of course, asking yet again about the uh, the investigation of leaks, the ongoing leaks, the leaks from the FBI, the leaks from the Department of Justice. For William Barr to say they're not just investigations, but they're criminal investigations, that's actually a pretty big deal. These words mean something. These phrases mean something. When the attorney general is saying there's an ongoing criminal investigation, they're not just looking into it. They're actually looking to indict one or more people for the leaks. That escalates the situation with leaks. And, of course, the Democrats were outraged by this, as were members of the media. And the reason members of the media were outraged about it, of course, is because the media has relied so heavily on these leaks to shape the story. It is very clear that one of the reasons the media is so upset right now is because the way the story was shaped uh, was that the president had colluded with the Russians. Now, of course, the media is walking that back saying, oh, wait, whoa, 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 we never said collusion because collusion is not a legal thing. But they did say it repeatedly. And that's going to be problematic for them. Now, there was also the Christopher Steele dossier. John Corden asked about that. We've heard a lot about the Steele dossier. Um, Mr. Steele, of course, is a former British intelligence officer hired by uh, to do opposition research uh, by the Hillary Clinton campaign on um, on her political adversaries, including uh, President Trump or candidate Trump at that time. How do we know that the Steele dossier is not itself evidence of Russian disinformation campaign, knowing what we know now that basically the allegations made in, therein were secondhand hearsay or unverified? Can we state with confidence that the Russian that the Steele dossier was not part of the Russian disinformation campaign? No, I can't state that with confidence, and and that is one of the uh, areas that I'm reviewing. Uh, I'm concerned about it, and 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 I don't think it's entirely speculative. So it's not entirely speculative that the Russians may have fed information. You see. This is one of the things that really gets lost in all of the media narratives about Russia, and, and they are narratives. They are stories being told by the media that are woven around a theme. They're woven around an, an idea, a narrative, and the information that doesn't fit the narrative, that doesn't fit the story the media wants to tell, is goes by the wayside. It gets ignored. 
the narrative from the media all along has been that the president was an agent of the Russians. And William Barr repeatedly now is saying, no, this is not true. No, there is no evidence of that. Uh, no, the president did not collude with the Russians. No, the president was not engaged in a conspiracy with the Russians. No, the president was not an agent on the uh, behalf of the Russians. What we what gets left out of the media story and has always gotten left out of the media story is that the Russians were working both sides. The Russians, it was late in the campaign. If you read the Mueller report, it was late in the campaign when the Russians decided to go all in on Trump. For the most part, they were playing both sides. They were feeding information negative to both sides. I mean, hell, even after the election, the Russians were funding groups protesting Hillary Clinton and funding groups protesting Donald Trump. That gets forgotten by the media. And one of the things the Russians may very well have done is they may very well have put out information uh, about Donald Trump that was not true and fed it to Christopher Steele to amplify uh, the the distrust of Trump in this country. And the Democrats fell for it. All righty. We've got other news to talk about, but I, I've still got audio from the bar hearing today that we need to play, including... Um, some of the, just the senators, uh, there was this interaction between Senator Graham, who now chairs the Judiciary Committee and Senator Hirono. In fact, Senator Graham, uh, using this as an excuse to say, we're not bringing Bob Mueller in, uh, Lindsey Graham, uh, well, Senator Hirono, before she even began to question William Barr said he needed to resign for being a liar, even though he hadn't even spoken yet, really. Well, here, listen, listen to Senator Graham and this exchange. The last question that I have in 17 seconds. Do you think it's okay for a president to offer pardons to people who don't testify against him to threaten the family of someone who does? Is that okay? Uh, what, when did he offer a, a pardon to someone? I think you know what I'm talking about. Please. What do you please, mean? Please, Mr. Attorney General, you know, give us some credit for knowing what the hell is going on around here with you. Not really to this line of questioning. So we're gonna, we're gonna, listen, you've slandered this man. Yeah, what Every I sort of want to know is how do we get how do we get to this point? Yeah, I do not so, think so that how I'm do we get to the point anyone? Where he, all all I can say Mr. Chairman, I, I am done. Thank you very and much. And you slandered this man from top to bottom. So if you want more of this, you're not gonna get it. If you want to ask him questions, you can't. Certainly have your opinion. Thank you, I Mr. Chairman. <laughs> I mean, these people are clowns. They are clowns. All of them are clowns. And, uh, you know, the, the Democrats are grumbling now about Lindsey Graham. They say he lost it. You know, I, I got to say, probably the ugliest breakup in America is not some of these celebrity divorces out there. It's the media's love affair with Lindsey Graham. Uh, and, and now that he has, has gone for the president— it really is fascinating to me that the media has become so, so critical of Lindsey Graham. A few more of these sound bites before we move into other stuff. The Democrats in Georgia also trying to take the Georgia Supreme Court. We need to talk about this issue when we come back. They're, they're beginning to pour in outside money into the state in an aggressive hope to put liberals on the Georgia Supreme Court. You need to know about it.
Ignition running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. Atlanta's evening news here. The phone number is 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. If you got any questions, comments yourself about the bar hearing today, uh, feel free to uh, let us know. I got a few more bits of audio from the bar hearing I want to play before I move on to uh, some state news, including the uh, situation with um, the Georgia Supreme Court and the Democrats trying to put a bunch of liberals on the Supreme Court. Uh, there was this notable exchange with Republicans, though, that we need to pay attention to from William Barr. As to where we go forward, as as to how we go forward, would you recommend that this committee and every other committee of Congress do our best to harden our infrastructure against future Russian attacks? Absolutely, yes. Do you think Russia is still up to it? Yes. You think other countries may get involved in our elections in 2020? Yes. So you would support an effort by Congress working with the administration to harden our electoral infrastructure? Yes. Is that one of the takeaways of the Mueller report? Yes. I mean, leading questions there from a friendly audience with Lindsey Graham asking these questions, but the situation is a serious situation where William Barr is going to have to um, convince the president of this. Remember, the president doesn't want to do anything about the 2020 election situation, in large part because he believes if he did, uh, it would be a suggestion that that's how the the Democrats or the Russians got him elected in 2016. I think uh, Lindsey Graham and William Barr taking this tactic and this line of thought that, uh, yes, the Russians do want to interfere in 2020, Maybe we'll help the president realize we, we got to do something. Uh, there was also this from William Barr. I, I think that they had an exhaust. They canvassed uh, the evidence exhaustively. On uh, they didn't reach a decision on it. But the question you've just been asking raises a point I wanted to say when Senator Hirono was talking, which is, it's you know, how did we get to the point here where the evidence is now that the president was falsely accused? of colluding with the Russians and accused of being treasonous and accused of being a Russian agent and the evidence now is that was without a basis and two years of his administration uh, have been dominated by the allegations that have now been proven false and you know to, to, to listen to some of the rhetoric you would think that the Mueller report had found the opposite. Yeah, that is an excellent point, and that goes to MSNBC trying to fact-check William Barr today. They, they were pushing back on this. Uh, how emotionally invested certain people and organizations in the media have become in the idea that the president is an agent of the Russians, did collude with the Russians, engaged in a conspiracy with the Russians. And Barr is absolutely right here. It is abundantly obvious now the media got the narrative wrong on Russia. In fact, I dare say... One of the things that happened is the media had been fed a bunch of lies from Democratic operatives, some of whom were embedded within the Justice Department and the FBI, ran those stories and decided to shape a narrative because they believe the facts met the narrative that the president was an agent of the Russians and they can't let it go. And they're deeply angry with William Barr because he's insisting they let it go because he's insisting it's not true. Now, this exchange between William Barr and Diane Feinstein. In terms of the request to ask McGahn to memorialize that fact, we do not think in this case that the government could show 
corrupt intent beyond a reasonable doubt. Just to finish this, but you still have a situation where a president essentially tries to change the lawyer's account in order to prevent further criticism of himself. Well, that's not a crime. So you can, in this situation, instruct someone to lie? No, it has to be, well, to be obstruction of justice, the lie has to be uh, tied to uh, impairing the evidence in a particular proceeding. McGahn had already given his evidence, and I think, uh, I think it would be plausible that the purpose of McGahn memorializing what the president was asking was to make the record that the president never directed him to fire. And there is a distinction between saying to someone, go fire him, go fire Mueller, and saying, have him removed based on conflict. And, you know, what's so interesting there is the Democrats have lost their minds over this, that they can't nuance the point. And, and Barr actually was making a very fair point that when the president orders a deputy to fire the special prosecutor, it doesn't matter the cause. Just willfully firing him. He has the right to fire at will, and the president wanted him fired. Um, there were times, though, that the president believed news reports on some outlets that there was a conflict of interest and that there were conflicts of interest between Mueller and, and various other people involved in the investigation and so should be removed from that um, removed from that position because of the conflict. And, and the implication here, of course, is that if you're firing the special prosecutor, you're shutting down the investigation. If you're removing him, you're not actually shutting down the investigation. You're just getting a different special prosecutor. That's a that's a pretty big difference. And, of course, the media doesn't want to nuance this. The media wants to say, oh, oh, Barr's lying. This Nicole Wallace and, and, and Brian Williams on MSNBC interrupted after this exchange, say, oh, he's lying, he's lying. No, actually, he wasn't actually lying, um, even if you don't like it. That's that's kind of the, the unfortunate situation here is the media is emotionally invested in the narrative now. And any facts that run contrary to it, they've got to claim the facts are lies or they've got to just ignore the facts. It's very, very hard at this point to get a straight answer. I, you know, as an aside, I can't tell you the number of times in the last several weeks. In fact, it happened at Sunday school on Sunday. Somebody came up to me uh, right before Sunday school started. They said, I, I got a question for you. What news outlets can we read to get the real news? And my answer is you can't. I mean, if you've been paying attention to this program now for about the past year and a half, my daily job at this point is to come on and tell you what the actual news is as opposed to what one particular outlet is uh, reporting. And even I can get it wrong because all the news reports get it wrong. But more and more, I'm finding what I have to do on a daily basis is if I've got to read multiple stories from multiple outlets on the exact same topic to get an idea of what's actually going on, because the media is more and more invested in the idea of a narrative of events as opposed to the facts of an event. And the the, the difference between the two is, is important to understand. The media has decided, uh, journalists as a whole have decided that to have an emotional impact with the audience, they have to tell stories. And the way they tell stories is they, they've got a beginning, they've got a middle, and they've got an end. They've got a plot. They have an antagonist and they have a protagonist. 
and they have to weave a story that has a bad guy and has a good guy. It has a climax. It has a, a um, an epilogue. It's got a prologue. It's got a story. It's got an entry point. It's got to be relatable to people along the way. They have all of these things, and they're building stories. And what the media now has to do is they have to leave out certain parts of the story that might conflict with the overarching storytelling. So they've got to leave out facts that might be helpful to the president because the story the media once told is that the president is a Russian agent. And the entire story has to be built around the idea that the president is a Russian agent. That's why there's been so much depression in media outlets like MSNBC and even CNN because they built this entire story up. They built the story that the president was a Russian agent, the Russians had stolen the election, people around the president colluded with the Russians to make it happen, and it turns out that's not actually what happened. And the media's very upset about that. They got their story wrong. Their credibility has under, been undermined. I mean, look at the ratings for CNN. The ratings for CNN are down uh, 24% from this time last year. And what happened in that that year? CNN fully invested in the idea of the Russian collusion story. And CNN began to, even though it was still claiming to be objective, it became MSNBC light. And ultimately what happened is the facts from the Mueller report bore out that much of CNN's reporting was wrong. And they can't accept that fact, and that's problematic. There are some really, really good journalists at CNN. I deeply like and respect a ton of people at CNN. But overall, the narrative that was being painted by reporters at CNN turned out they got it wrong. And you know who got it worse? MSNBC, the New York Times, they got it even worse. And their credibility has been blown up as a result, and they're mad, and they're mad at Bob Mueller, but they can't be mad at Mueller because they made him the hero, so they got to be mad at William Barr instead. Okay, y'all, quick time out for a sponsor. This is a great one. Uh, thanks to them for being back. Because uh, admit it, you think cybercrime is something that happens to other people. It doesn't happen to you. No one wants your data. No one's going to be able to hack into you. You think you're perfectly safe. No one's going to get your credit card details. But you would be wrong. Stealing data from unsuspecting people on public Wi-Fi is one of the simplest, cheapest ways for hackers to make money. They'll sit in the coffee shop and wait for you to log on to public Wi-Fi, and they will steal your information so you can protect yourself from cyber criminals with ExpressVPN. It secures and makes anonymous your internet browsing by encrypting your data and hiding your public IP address. It's got easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of your computer, your phone, your tablet, and turning it on takes just one click. Using ExpressVPN, you can safely surf public Wi-Fi without being snooped on, without your personal data stolen, without those people sitting in the back of the coffee shop stealing the info off your computer. It is that good. Protect your online activities today. Find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash Eric. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Eric for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash Eric to learn more. You know, when I do these live reads for sponsorships for the podcast, uh, I get a script and I can read the script or not. Uh, and the calm script begins, stress is a worldwide epidemic. We're working longer hours. We're inundated with the constant news cycles and we're more connected than ever before. Stress is a part of life, but it can very easily affect our overall well-being. And then it goes into talking about, but I, I don't have to tell you about stress. I can tell you about real world. Uh, calm has become an app in my family uh, that we pretty much all use. Um, my son uses calm every night. My daughter uses 
uses it. I use it when I'm on trips. My wife uses it. Uh, it is an app that has a meditation. Not, I shouldn't say meditations, but a basically guided meditation, relaxations, uh, play stories or music at night. Um, that's when my kids use it. My kids don't like to go to sleep in the quiet and the dark. So they use the call map and the call map, they read stories. In fact, my son is deeply, deeply frustrated because there's one story that he reads or has read to him on the call map and he can never finish it. And he wants to finish the story. And he's afraid that if he stays up during the day to listen to it, that he'll fall asleep during the day. So he's scared to listen to it, but he wants to finish the story. It's actually very cute. Uh, it really is a great app. Uh, if you want to relax and you're having trouble unplugging, if you want something to listen to, to help you go to sleep at night, uh, Calm is a great way to do it. Non-medicated. Uh, you just listen to Calm. Right now, listeners of this podcast get 25% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash Eric. That's C-A-L-M dot com slash Eric. Get unlimited access to all of Calm's content today at calm.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Get Calm, stop stressing. But here's the other thing. Uh, I really am a user of this product and really have been a user of this product before they started sponsoring this podcast. Jonathan V. Last at uh, the Sub Beacon podcast recommended it to me for my kids. And that's when we got it. And I love it. And I unqualified, uh, give this an unqualified recommendation. Get Calm if you want a great way to listen to something to help you relax and go to sleep. It is Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's Evening News, the phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. To the phones we go, Rob and Marietta, welcome. Hi, Eric. Hey there. And we desperately need a functioning media in this country, not just one that's a, a spokesarm for the Democratic Party. Oh, I agree. And, and you know, one of the downsides is the, the, the lower the level you go in, in the United States from national to local, the, the worse it actually is these days with the media. The media is dying out. Uh, and there have got to be ways to rebuild um, media and coverage. I mean, this is one of the problems, frankly, Republicans in Georgia are going to have in 2020. As 2020 makes Georgia a swing state, most of the national outlets are invested in the idea that Brian Kemp stole the election uh, and they parrot Stacey Abrams lines. There are fewer state outlets. Uh, Greg Bluestein at the AGC is not in every every county in the state. He can only cover so much. He's one of the fairest reporters in the state these days in the state covering politics. Uh, there are some great TV reporters in Atlanta, Savannah, um, but there aren't a lot of them. And more and more, you've got Democrats invested in shaping narratives to sympathetic members of the media. Uh, the Republicans are going to have to find ways to push back on this, even at the state level in 2020. They're going to have to find ways to have voices in the media around the state that can actually help advance the truth as opposed to the Democratic spin. The phone number here, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. It is Eric Erickson, Atlanta's Evening News. Two stories I want to talk about, one very, very briefly. Um, the Georgia, what, the GHSA, the Georgia High School Association, is considering moving uh, the Merce, uh, their annual football game 
from the Mercedes-Benz Stadium to somewhere else. It's the finals, you know, the high school football state championships. They've been held. Uh, they were held at the Georgia Dome. They're now being held at the Mercedes-Benz, but it cost $600,000 last year to do eight games over two days at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, twice what it cost the Georgia Dome. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking yes, please. Um, it is probably time to do this. It is super expensive, and it would be nice for them to not spend $600,000 to put on two days' worth of high school football games, uh, particularly when attendance is down. Um, probably should have happened, well, I guess they couldn't. They were committed to a long-term contract, but now, now they've got time. Um, there's another story out there. The, the Democrats are putting up John Barrow, to run for the Georgia Supreme Court. It, it, very interesting how this has played out. In Georgia, if there's a vacancy on a court, the governor gets to appoint someone to replace the person whose seat is up. And then that person, the new appointee, then has to stand for election. Uh, when the prior appointment, when the prior person would have stood for for election, we elect Georgia, we elect judges in Georgia technically, but in practice, the way it has always worked is that to avoid having elections for judges, because the judges, the consensus has always been it really isn't a good thing. Um, the way it's worked is the person who wanted to retire would step down early. And allow the governor to put someone in their position, and typically no one runs against an incumbent judge or justice. Well, what we're starting to see happen in the state is Democrat appointees to the state uh, Supreme Court, Court of Appeals, and Superior Courts, they don't want Republicans appointing their replacements. And so they're staying on until their term is up and not running for re-election, forcing elections instead of allowing Republican governors to appoint their replacements. We're seeing this now on the Supreme Court. Um, Benham, one of them, is is retiring, and he's not going to step down early for the governor to be able to replace him. He's going to allow an election to be held, and the Democrats are desperate to put John Barrow up. Sir Doyle, who is on the Georgia Court of Appeals, is also going to be running for the Supreme Court. Uh, she's already an existing judge on the Court of Appeals, has an existing record. She's got a conservative record. Uh, and you've got the Democrats now essentially trying to get a liberal like John Barrow on the Supreme Court. This is where the next fight is going to be in Georgia. The Democrats are hoping they can use a May election, and then this is important here, because nonpartisan elections are not held in the general election. They're held earlier. They're held in May. And the Democrats are hoping they can use the Stacey Abrams ground game from 2018 to mobilize more Democrats than Republicans to go out to the races in May and put a liberal on the Georgia Supreme Court. This is going to be the sleeper race of the year that you got to pay attention to. Uh, this is going to be the race of the year where it will be necessary for Republicans at a statewide level to be able to engage. Uh, you know, the Republican Party right now, they're going through trying to find a new uh, chairman of the GOP. And these sorts of statewide races are where this chairman and, and the GOP are going to have to engage and 
Uh, we've got some good nominees for the Republican Party chairman of the state, but man, they're really going to have to engage at this level. Let's go to the phones now. Let's go to Scott calling from Bishop. Welcome. How are you? Hello, Eric. Yeah. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Sure. My question or comment really is around uh, the what the Democrats are trying to do with re- removing Attorney General Barr from office. Isn't that similar or in the same line of what they're accusing Trump in doing when when he uh, or what they're saying that Trump was trying to remove Mueller <laughs> from office? Wouldn't that be obstruction of justice to say, hey, let's remove Barr now? Well, yes and no. Um, the Democrats wanting to remove him, the, the congressional Democrats wanting to remove him, it's not really obstruction of justice when they want to impeach or remove an attorney general as opposed to uh, wanting to stop an investigation. Uh, if the Democrats believe he's trying to stop an investigation, they want to perpetuate the investigation. That's not an obstruction of justice um, allegation against them. But yeah, I mean, to your larger point, though, The president wanting to remove um, Bob Mueller, it was within his right as president to fire at will an employee of the Justice Department, which is what Bob Mueller was. In the same way, Democrats in Congress are allowed to say they want the attorney general to be gone. Except, you know, here's the dirty little secret in all of this. The Democrats don't really want William Barr gone. They actually don't, believe it or not. Uh, privately, the Democrats are glad he's there because privately, uh, the Democrats view William Barr as an adult in the room they can do business with behind the scenes on a lot of issues, on a lot of key issues. The Democrats actually think that William Barr is an adult in the room and he's earned the president's confidence through his showmanship on Capitol Hill. And if anything, some of these Democrats are playing up their antagonism with William Barr uh, so that the president will keep him in that spot where they think he can actually do some good. I mean, so much of what's happening in Washington right now is theatrics uh, designed around uh, placating the president one way or the other. Either Democrats attacking someone because they want him in their in, in place for the president or the Republicans attacking someone because they want the president to be focused on that person. So much of it is about uh, trying to get the president's mind in some case. So having the Democrats pile up on William Barr, demand he resign, et cetera, et cetera, that actually helps him with the president of the United States. And every single person in that committee today with the possibility of the dim bulb from Hawaii understood what was going on in that case. Attacking him helps him and solidifies his position with the president. And most of the Democrats actually are okay with that because he's the grown-up in the room and they know he's the grown-up in the room because he was George H.W. Bush's attorney general as well. Okay, I have to go back to Game of Thrones. Don't don't be mad at me because there's actually uh, several news stories out today that I wasn't expecting that Game of Thrones is outing itself as racist because it's always the brown people who get killed in Game of Thrones. I am not joking. There are multiple media outlets uh, that are running stories about how the immigrant communities and the brown people keep getting killed in Game of Thrones, uh, and it, that's that's very disheartening to a lot of people. If you well, listen, spoilers here. We're at the end of the show. Um, so the Dothraki, uh, they get wiped out. Uh, you know, the the whole big thing here is that this is resetting. Every major mass death situation in Game of Thrones is resetting for something. So the Red Wedding reset the fundamental dynamics in the show. 
um, into season six, reset the fundamental dynamics in the show. Uh, And now we've got here in season eight, you've got the Dothraki are wiped out. The Unsullied are mostly wiped out. uh, The Northern forces mostly wiped out. And you got all the Northern force, the minimal Northern forces now to face the uh, Golden Army and, and Cersei. So this is all about resetting for the final three episodes. Uh, they had to die. It didn't matter what race they were. And there's also fat shaming now about Thor in, in the Avengers movie. Yes, that's right. People are upset with him getting like ripped again.